Hello students. I'm going to be hosting a brand new series of podcasts and my first podcast is about colonialism and the countryside. In this chapter, you will see what colonial rule meant to those who lived in the countryside. You will meet the zamindars of Bengal, travel to the Rajmahal hills where the Paharias and the Santhals lived and then move west to the Deccan. You will also look at the way the English East India Company established its raj in the countryside, implemented its revenue policies, what these policies meant to different sections of people and how they changed everyday lives. As you know, colonial rule was first established in Bengal. It is here that the earliest attempts were made to reorder rural society and establish a new regime of land rights and new revenue system. Let's just see what happened in Bengal in the early years of the company rule. Let me first give you a scenario. In 1797 there was an auction in Burdwam. It was a public event. A number of estates held by the Raja of Burdwam were being sold. The permanent settlement had come into operation in 1793. The East India Company had fixed the revenue that each zamindar had to pay. The estates of those who failed to pay were to be auctioned to recover the revenue. Since the raja had accumulated huge arrears, his estates had been put up for auction. Numerous purchasers came to the auction and the estates were sold to the highest bidder. But the collector soon discovered a strange twist to the tale. Many of the purchasers turned out to be servants and agents of the raja who had bought the lands on behalf of their master. Over 95% of the sale at the auction was fictitious. The raja's estates had been publicly sold, but he still remained in control of his zamindari. Now this raises a couple of questions. Why had the raja failed to pay the revenue? Who were the purchasers at the auction? What does this story tell us about what was happening in the rural areas of eastern India at that time? This was a problem of unpaid revenue. The estates of the Burdwa Raj were not the only ones sold during the closing years of the 18th century. Over 75% of the zamindaris changed hands after the permanent settlement. In introducing the permanent settlement, British officials had hoped to resolve the problems they had been facing since the conquest of Bengal. By the 1770s, the rural economy in Bengal was in crisis, with recurrent famines and declining agricultural output. Officials felt that agriculture, trade, and the revenue resources of the state could all be developed by encouraging investment in agriculture. This could be done by securing rights of property and permanently fixing the rates of the revenue demand. Now if the revenue demand of the state was permanently fixed, then the company could look forward to a regular flow of revenue while entrepreneurs could feel sure of earning a profit from their investment since the state would not siphon it off by increasing its claim. The process officials hoped would lead to the emergence of a class of yeoman farmers and rich landowners who would have the capital and enterprise to improve agriculture. But there was a problem. It lay in identifying individuals who could both improve agriculture and contract to pay the fixed revenue to the state.
After a prolonged debate amongst company officials, the permanent settlement was made with the rajas and talukdars of Bengal. They were now classified as zamindars, and they had to pay the revenue demand that was fixed in perpetuity. In terms of this definition, the zamindar was not a landowner in the village, but a revenue collector of the state. Zamindars had several villages under them. In company calculations, the villages within one zamindari formed one revenue estate. The company fixed the total demand over the entire estate whose revenue the zamindar contracted to pay. The zamindars collected rent from the different villages, paid the revenue to the company and retained the difference as his income. He was expected to pay the company regularly, failing which his estate could be auctioned. But then why were these zamindars why did they default on payments? Company officials felt that a fixed revenue demand would give zamindars a sense of security and assured of returns on their investment, encourage them to improve their estates. In the early decades after the permanent settlement, however, zamindars regularly failed to pay the revenue demand and unpaid balances accumulated. The reasons for this failure were many. Firstly, the initial demands were very high. This was because it was felt that if the demand was fixed for all time to come, the company would never be able to claim a share of increased income from land when prices rose and cultivation expanded. To minimize this anticipated loss, the company pegged the revenue demand high, according to arguing that the burden on zamindars would gradually decline as agricultural production expanded and prices rose. Second, this high demand was imposed in the 1790s, a time when the prices of agricultural produce were depressed, making it difficult for the ryots to pay their dues to the zamindar. Third, the revenue was invariable regardless of the harvest and had to be paid punctually. In fact, according to the sunset law, if payment did not come in by sunset of the specified date, the zamindari was liable to be auctioned. Fourth, the permanent settlement initially limited the power of the zamindar to collect rent from the rayat and manage his zamindari. The zamindar's troops were disbanded, custom duties abolished, and their courts were brought under the supervision of a collector appointed by the company. Zamindars lost their power to organize local justice and local police. The rent collection was also a perennial problem. Sometimes bad harvests and low prices made payment of dues difficult for the ryots. At other times, ryots deliberately delayed payment. The zamindar could therefore not easily assert his power over them. Zamindars could now prosecute defaulters but the judicial process was too long drawn in burdwan alone there were over 30000 pending suits for arrears of rent payment in 1798 this was what the permanent settlement was all about thank you so much for listening i would love to hear your feedback and any other stories that you would like to share in our next meeting we will continue with the next podcast very soon Thank you.